Transferring wealth successfully starts with asking yourself questions that will give your family a better life now and for generations to come. In this podcast, financial professionals John and Michael from Copper Beach Financial Group guide you through eye-opening questions to help you discover the truth about your wealth. Now, on to the show. Hello and welcome to The Truth About Wealth with John and Michael Paris of Copper Beach Financial Group. Today we're going to be covering a bunch of strategies, ideas, and tools for estate planning. And Michael is going to take the reins of this podcast and really lead us. But before we get into it, I do want to make sure that you as an audience member knows that you could be listening to them, to this podcast locally. You could be listening to this across the world. I have no idea where you're listening to this, but this is one thing that you need to know. Copper Beach works with their folks nationwide. They have clients all over the nation. And if you hear something in this podcast today that really sparks your interest, makes you question something that you're currently doing with your finances, you're currently doing with your estate planning, or that you have been talking to your family or friends about that they're doing with their estate planning, share this with them make that phone call because they work anywhere in the nation. Uh, They're licensed to do that and they can cover all sorts of territory. So don't be shy, make that phone call. And without further ado, good morning, Michael and John. How are you? Good morning, Eric. Good morning, Eric. How are you? I'm good. Michael, I hear you are going to run this show today. What's going on? Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Well, this is going to be a little bit, uh, I I guess you can call it a sort of a teaser, a teaser podcast. We're going to sort of briefly go through 10 key strategies uh, in estate planning, business succession planning, tax planning. There's a lot of kind of avenues we're going to go down in this podcast. And all of these topics are going to very likely be future podcasts with some specialists. If you recall our model, our family office model, we really like outsourcing to specialists, Mm -hmm. especially when we get into these particular topics. There's a lot of detail that goes into formulating these types of plans. It really requires a team effort. And so we are really the catalyst for bringing that to the family's attention. But the implementation of a lot of these strategies are going to be by specialists. So we're going to have them on future podcasts to really go through a deeper dive. So if any of you uh, listening are, are intrigued by one of these strategies, be sure to keep uh, keep uh, subscribing, keep listening, because we're going to have a little bit of a deeper dive going forward. Fantastic. So for for today, for this teaser podcast, what are we covering? Well, we're going to cover 10, as I said, 10 strategies. So we're going to go through number one. The, the, the first one that I want to talk to is something called a restricted property trust. Now, this is a, a very specialized employee benefit plan that will allow business owners to fully discriminate. And when I say discriminate, if you're familiar with how a qualified uh, ERISA-based plan works, like a 401k plan or a uh, 403b plan, if you're in the public sector, those have to be basically offered to all of the employees within the business. There are specific plans that you can have or make available to either the business owner specifically or to key executives. And so this really, this restricted property trust is one of those benefit plans that many people haven't really heard of. It's uh, 100% tax deductible to the business, uh, like a qualified plan, but again, will allow you to benefit those key executives. So on an earlier podcast, we talked a little bit about how to retain and, and recruit key talent and key employees. Mm-hmm. This is one type of plan that can be utilized within that within that realm of of benefiting the business and recruiting and retaining key talent. So that I think is going to be a really key one. And we wanted to touch on that briefly there. All right. All right. Second one is called a sale to an intentionally defective irrevocable trust. This uh, is wait, wait, wait. Did you say defective? 
defective. Yeah, yes. back to the trust bad, again, Eric. It's a bad. <laughs> yeah. Actually, that's that is a that's a common gripe with this this strategy because it's called defective, and I'll tell you why it's it's defective in a second. <laughs> why we use that that acronym? Us lawyers in creating these tax laws, we, we really uh, have a, have a way of of selling it. I Are guess. we running out of words? <laughs> We're just throwing stuff in there. I don't know. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> So th- this, why it, this type of trust is called defective, it's defective for income tax purposes. So if you're familiar with how an irrevocable trust works, irrevocable trusts have their own tax bracket. And so the trust itself will pay taxes on any income that are earned on the assets within that trust, typically. Now, there are certain types of trusts, and you can incorporate language that will make it, in this case, a defective trust. And what that means is that any income that is earned by the trust is actually taxed to the grantor, not to the trust itself. Now, there are some a, a lot of nuances on why this is a good strategy to incorporate in, in planning. Uh, again, we're going to get into a little bit of a deeper dive on that or, or the details why. But what this will allow you to do from an estate planning standpoint, most of these types of trusts are used for estate tax minimization purposes long term for a family. So if you have an asset that you believe is going to appreciate in value, over a, um, a long period of time. From an estate tax reduction standpoint, it almost always is beneficial to transfer that asset into a trust, which would make it out of or take it out of your taxable estate and allow that any future appreciation to grow inside of that trust where it's out of your estate again and not subject to federal or state estate taxes. So this type of trust is a way for you to utilize that type of benefit and will allow you to actually transact uh, sales of assets between the owner, a person, and the trust without paying any capital gain tax, which is, that's why it's called defective. It's Mm. a very unique uh, strategy. And from an estate tax reduction standpoint, it's one thing that we've from, from really frequently see families not go through within the estate planning process. So we've talked probably quite a bit on this podcast on being able to minimize any estate settlement costs that you may have, may have in the family, this is one of those strategies to, to incorporate that. Gotcha. Okay. All right. That makes a lot more sense. And so it's defective, but in a good in way. A, in a good way. <laughs> the, the, also, the other benefit is a key you know, benefit from a planning standpoint. They are a legacy trust. You could generation skip the assets in these trusts forever if you so choose. So mm. it has some really interesting dynamics from, from generational planning. Gotcha. And, and, and just to add to this, the, every one of these strategies is not – done in a vacuum. These are always, always incorporated within the comprehensive plan. So these are options for families to consider. So these strategies are not be all end all for every family. There's things that we would present to a family as an option. Again, if you have an estate tax issue or estate settlement costs that you want to lower uh, into the future, this is one option that you can consider. There are a a whole host of other strategies that you can do or also do. This is just one of them. So it's important to keep that in mind. And this, again, a collaborative team effort with the family's other advisors. Yeah, I'm going to jump in here. And and, and I wanted to tell the audience that or say to the audience that these ideas have been out there for a long, long time. Anything we talk about in these podcasts – are IRS approved techniques that have been around for a long time. So we didn't create these concepts. I think what separates us from many is that we take these concepts and I refer to them as in previous podcasts, we connect the, the dots to these processes mm-hmm. and these ideas and, and collaborate and making sure all the advisors are, are on the same page 
look into each one of these techniques to make sure it fits the plan. So our expertise is bring everyone together, come up with the concept, and then outsource it to the specialist that actually writes the, the restrictive property trust document or, or writes the trust that's a defective structure to allow all those transactions to occur. So I want to be clear that you know, we don't have all the brain powers in the world. These, these techniques have been around a long time. And I'll, I'll reiterate, all these have been looked at and approved by the IRS, and there's no, there's no risk to these as long as you do them correctly. And I want to emphasize that. We've seen trusts in the past that kind of cross over to, a, to an area that might not be uh, approved by the IRS, so you have to make sure that, that the documents are drafted properly by experts to have drafted them as, as a practice. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and use specialists that, that know what they're doing. That's, that's, a key, that's a key point because, yes, anything can be designed improperly that could you know, have, uh, let's say, the IRS look at it wrongly, and that's not a good result. So it's really important that you work with, with high-quality specialists that know what they're doing in these areas. Yeah, and, and often we get asked by our clients uh, as, we, as we go through these ideas is that if they don't have a, a, a legal team that's qualified to do these, one of two things can happen. Michael, as a technician here at Copper Beach, can work with that current attorney if he's not familiar with the concept and walk them through the structure mm-hmm. of it, and they can work together as part of that team. Or if that attorney, and, and we've had that happen in the past, the attorney said, listen, this is out of my expertise. Let's bring another firm to work on that particular project. So we have outsourced a lot of attorneys across the country. That's one of you know things that, that we've been affordable. I, I, we just had such great luck working with some great teams of advisors across the country. We can outsource those specialists to our clients uh, in that structure where we could bring in, bring them in to work with the family. So it's an outsourcing strategy with us. Yeah. And absolutely. I think that anybody who's been listening to this podcast for a while understands that you, both of you and entirely uh, copper beach in its entirety, you don't have a bandwagon mentality. You know, this isn't, these strategies aren't something that have just cropped up within the last month. You're like, Hey, this is a great idea. We're going to go ahead and jump on the bandwagon. Like so many other advisors might, uh, they think, Oh, this is, this is something that's fancy and I can offer this to my clients and, and, uh, they just don't know what they're doing. Uh, you guys have vetted this stuff. You guys have done this for many, many years. And you, I mean, how long you've been in business? I mean, really, I mean, it's been, <laughs> been some decades if I'm not mistaken. So, uh, 34. Yeah. Oh yeah. For, for dad, yeah. Multiple decades. I'm, a, I'm an old guy. There you go. Yeah. So, I mean, and that's just it. They, they need to know. So if this is your first podcast you're listening to go back and listen to the other ones, you're going to see a pattern. They only use tried and true and tested methods for their clients. Uh, and they put together these, these incredible plans because there's multiple strategies you can use in a certain, you know, in one plan, uh, and they find the best pieces to fit and they have the best team members to execute those things. So I didn't want to derail it, but I just wanted to make sure that if people are new to the podcast, that they do understand that and they can, they'll, uh, they'll learn that as they subscribe and listen to more. So, uh, Michael, what's next? What's next? Number three here, we have uh, charitable trust planning with IRAs and qualified plans. This is a a pretty unique strategy, we think, that uh, m- many families that we work with, they, they've accumulated large balances within their IRAs or qualified plans that they, for whatever reason, maybe they're a business owner and they've sold their business and they have assets from that uh, sale that they're using for their retirement income or to live out their remaining uh, lifetimes. And their IRA assets really become an extra legacy type asset and they aren't really sure what to do with it. Now, mm-hmm. under the uh, current laws, you at age 70 and a half have to start taking income out of your retirement plans anyway. But if you assume that you have some charitable endeavors or philanthropic desires, there are tax law provisions that will allow you to divert some of those required distributions 
to a charity as opposed to taking it the income that you may not otherwise need. So uh, you can do a lot of really, really great work with IRAs and qualified plans with uh, charities and not just during life, but you may also want to consider leaving your IRA asset to a charitable trust that will allow your family, either your spouse or your children to be able to continue to benefit from those IRA assets but will allow you to also leave it to charity as well. So it's a, a pretty unique strategy, something that doesn't many families don't really think about, but we really like charitable planning and working with that with families. It's really, really fun. And uh, this is just one avenue that you can go down. So we're going to really dig that, uh, d- dig into that a little bit deeper in a future podcast. Yeah, the larger estates we work with, uh, I'm talking about the, the, the estates that are above the credit of $22 million. These IRA or qualified assets become a problem from, a, from an estate tax standpoint. Mm-hmm. So if if the if the client would pass away or and, and the wife would pass away, the, these IRA assets, if you look at how they're structured, if you're in a forty percent estate tax bracket, as an example, forty percent of that IRA goes in estate taxes. But remember, it's a qualified plan; no income taxes have been paid on it yet. So that has to be paid over a course of time. So when you look at these assets, they're great when you're living, but they're not very, very good when you pass away. Up to 70 to 75% of those assets could go in taxation. So that's why these charitable designs have impact to some of the families that are in that high tax structure. Uh, so it's more of a tax decision more than a philanthropic one. So it, it reverses itself depending on the client you work with. That's, so, a, that's a great point. And, and actually, this this works nicely, number three, with the number two, the sale of an asset to a defective trust that we talked about a little earlier. Because IRAs and qualified plans have to typically be owned by an individual. It's very difficult to transfer those while you're living out of your estate like you could as other assets that maybe a defective trust would be a good vehicle to receive that. So again, this is where if you have a desire to reduce your estate taxes, this charitable trust with in conjunction with your IRAs can be a very, very good strategy. Michael, I got to be honest here. I have the notes, right? I mean, you sent me some notes on what we're going to be talking about today. And this one, this next thing on this list that I'm looking at, I don't know a whole lot about. And so I'm, I'm kind of mm-hmm. interested, really piqued my interest. Environmental easements. What is that? Yes, environmental conservation easements. These are a way for landowners to essentially, it's actually similar to a charitable, it actually it is a charitable deduction. But if you're a landowner and you wish to keep your land in a conservation type format and not have it be developed, you can actually transfer your land to a land trust typically, and that land trust will put a permanent easement on that land where it will never be developed. So if you think about a lot of landowners, particularly out in the western part of the United States, where there's a lot of uh, a lot of a lot more land than here on the East Coast, uh, these these types of easements are a really good way for families to preserve the land that they have within the family, but also you are allowed to have a tax deduction by uh, transferring your land to these environmental easements. So it's again, it's a tax planning way and it's also a, a philanthropic charitable planning. Now, these types of strategies are heavily scrutinized by the IRS. So for full disclosure, you really, really have to work with a qualified expert who knows what they're doing because these are there are certain transactions out in uh, tax world that are listed transactions. This is one of them. So the IRS really scrutinizes these very carefully. Mm-hmm. So again, just uh, as a, you know, not a warning, but just a reiteration of you really have to work with a qualified uh, person who knows what they're doing. There are a lot of them out there, 
Uh, but there are, as in anything, some bad actors that are giving the concept a bad name. But it's very interesting about these types of strategies is that they're, they really have bipartisan support in, in the legislature, in, in Congress, hmm. because you have on the Republican side, which are typically low tax, they like having this, this ability to have landowners get a tax deduction for these conservation purposes. And on the same, on the other side, you have the Democrats who want to conserve land or typically more of a, have more of an environmental focus. So it's one of those tax laws that really have bipartisan support. Again, you just have to do it properly. And, uh, I believe the tax laws, I think they were just recently, they extended the, this tax law for another 15 years, I think, because oh, wow. it was typically in, in the past, it was every five years, it was sort of going to expire and the, the uh, Congress had to renew it. I think they renewed it for another 15 years, which is, which is good. Gotcha. So that's uh, that, that's one. We have a, an expert that's going to be talking about that as well. Oh, great. All right. Number five, private placement life insurance. Life insurance is we're, – we're, we're big fans of life insurance from a, a few different standpoints. Life insurance is one of the few assets that you can buy that the accumulation of the cash value grows tax-deferred. And you could remove assets tax-free as long as you structure that policy properly. Where – a lot of families don't like life insurance, as an example that we've talked to, is they're stuck in a, let's say, a retail type of product. They have to go out to mm-hmm. the whole host of, of life insurance companies that are very good companies, but they're on a retail basis. Private placement life insurance is a wholesale, customized insurance policy that you have much more freedom to be able to invest the cash value in specific investments that you may want within your family. So this is a variable policy. It, which which means that the cash value can go up and down. It's different than a whole life insurance contract. But those again, those retail variable policies tend to restrict the type of investments that you can have within that policy. Private placement life insurance allows you much, much, much more customization. And it's typically not a, sold on a commission basis. It's sold more on a assets under management or a fee basis, which a lot of families like because that helps uh, lower the initial drag in the policy, the mm-hmm. initial... Uh, cost structure in the policy. So it's a very, very unique and popular tool amongst high net worth, high income earners. There are a very relatively high minimums, I think in probably about a half a million dollars of premium per year. So it's not for the average investor, but if you have the ability to, to make those premiums, a really, really unique strategy. Got it. All right. Number six, this is one that probably many people are familiar with, but it's it's one that we continually see uh, either families or other advisors not take into consideration when a family is selling a piece of real estate. And that's the 1031 exchange. Many people have heard of it. The 1031 exchange has been in the tax code probably 1920. for yeah, I think almost a hundred years now. And it essentially allows a uh, real estate owner, if they are owning a property for business purposes and they want to sell that property, they have to pay capital gain tax on that sale. So if you bought a piece of property in uh, you know, a long time ago, 30 years ago, and you bought it for $100,000 and the real estate market was great and appreciated to a million dollars as an example, and you went were to sell that, you would have a $900,000 gain that you would have to pay, pay income tax on. So it's it, that's oftentimes not the best decision from a tax standpoint. Well, the 1031 exchange will allow you to essentially swap that that property. You can sell your property, and as long as you replace that property with a similarly designed piece of real estate, you can defer that gain until you sell the subsequent property. You can continue to roll these over in, in 1031 exchanges to defer that tax 
basically indefinitely if that's if that's the desire. So it's a very very unique strategy. Been in the tax code for a long time. Uh, we've seen uh, many families that are aware of it, but others that have sold real estate or have told us that they're in the process of selling real estate. And we typically ask them, well, have you considered a 1031 exchange? And they say, what's that? So that's really where, you know, again, this is why this is a prime example of why regular communication with us and our families is so important because, you know, sometimes they have a piece of real estate. Maybe they have no intention of selling it, but they just get a great offer. Somebody approaches them and they want to sell it. And they they move forward with that without necessarily talking to us about it until our quarterly meetings. And then now we have to bring up the 1031 exchange. So it's one of those things where if they hadn't talked to us, they may be responsible for paying that tax that they otherwise could uh, could defer. Yeah, so. and the, the reason why a lot of folks steer away from it sometimes is because they're complex. You have to be able to be yes, do yeah. things in a very short period of time to get the approvals from from on your tax returns. So clients have a tendency to say, "What? How do I how do I do all this?" Well, what's happened in, over the last fifteen years or so? Trusts have been created that actually hold pools of real estate that you can do a transaction very very quickly. They're called DSTs. They're out of Delaware. Delaware statutory trusts. So, so there, there's another trust, Eric. But there's a lot of very uh, interesting programs out there that are easy accessed for that benefit. Wow. Yeah. Just add it to the list of trusts we have. <laughs> yeah. okay. Oh, we haven't even scratched the surface on the, on the <laughs> amount of trusts yet, Eric. All right. All right. Now, next one is a private insurance company. This is a a way for business owners. Businesses have, as as you're aware, Eric, and as any business owner who's listening is aware, have a lot of risk in their business. Mm-hmm. And there are specific risks that they may not be insuring. They may, for whatever reason, maybe it's too expensive in the in the traditional marketplace, or they they weren't aware that they even had the risk or that they could insure the risk. So a, having a private insurance company is a way for businesses to essentially open up their own insurance company to be able to better insure their risk from a risk management standpoint. And there are a lot of other benefits that are associated with that from creditor protection, from um, again, controlling the the premium levels that they have. There are some tax benefits that are associated with that. So it's a very, very uh, again another unique strategy that business owners may not be familiar with that is uh, available to them if they go through the process. Yeah, this is an exciting opportunity for estate planning as well. And again, in our next podcast or podcast in the future, when we talk about these structures, we're going to do a deep dive into the planning around these particular concepts. Uh, we have one here at Copper Beach. We self-insure some of our risks for the very purpose of estate planning and also protecting the risks we have exposed to mm-hmm. as a company. Mm-hmm. Uh, and these are, uh, again, strategies that the IRS looks at carefully. So, again, very important that you work with a qualified ca- uh, insurance company manager in this case who we we have uh, quite a few on our, our, our list of specialists that we can refer families to. This is not something that we set up in-house. We Again, we, we have specialists that do that, but very important that you work with a qualified qualified team. Absolutely. Second, I think number eight here. So number eight is uh, an employee stock ownership plan uh, or, or otherwise known as an ESOP. Many business owners may be familiar with this concept, and it's it's one that we think is important and sometimes overlooked by business owners who are looking to exit their company for one reason or another. Maybe they're they're winding down, they're retiring, and they may want to sell or exit their, their company. Very often, business owners say, well, I'm going to sell to a competitor. I'm going to sell to, let's say, my management team that I have. But very infrequently do they look at an employee stock ownership plan, and all that is is a qualified plan, a RISA-based plan, similar to it's like a 401k is. Um, and you could actually sell the company to that plan 
which then benefits all of the employees of the company. So it's a very, very specialized, not the easiest succession design to do. There's a lot of complexity. Very complex. But, but a lot of benefits as well. There's ways in which the business owner can sell the business to this ESOP and not pay any capital gain tax on the sale mm -hmm. as long as it's structured properly. So again, when you look at a business owner that is exiting their business, the tax hit on that sale could deter a, a business owner from selling for one reason or another. Hmm. This ESOP can help mitigate that. And it's a, a really good tool for business owners to look at if they are, let's say, they have a built up a very specialized culture within their company and they're concerned that if they were to sell to, let's say, a competitor, that the competitor would erode a lot of that culture that the business owner has built. An ESOP can be a really, really good tool to look at to accomplish both those objectives, allow the business owner to exit the business, but do so in a way that will retain that culture that they've established over their over their period of time. Yeah, it's usually a windfall for the for the for the owner of the company doing this transaction from a tax standpoint. If you can imagine, most people when they look at selling their companies, when you add up all the taxes, let's use California example. We did just an analysis of our client. If he sold his company, he'd probably pay over sixty percent in taxes because of the taxes in California are very high from an income standpoint and just local taxes. So so what do you do? So that particular person uh, or client of ours did an ESOP where he sold his company 100% tax-free. So he doubled his value by doing an ESOP strategy, mm. but it has to fit. Yeah. You have to, Michael said, you have to have the culture, you have to have the management team. So it's a little bit more detailed, but again, we have a podcast on this in the future and it's very, very uh, powerful when you really understand the components to mm -hmm. it. Yeah. Also the, the company, because it's owned by the ESOP is a qualified plan, the company no longer pays income tax. Uh, for any earnings that oh. it has. So yeah. when you when you look at a, a business who's trying to, let's say, be more competitive in the industry, as a business owner, you're, of course, in terms of pricing, whether, whether good, what goods or services you're providing, that tax hit that you're going to have to pay is typically built into that uh, pricing calculation, exactly. if you yep. will, that you're doing. So the fact that you don't have to pay taxes inside of an ESOP allows the company to grow potentially faster, allows you to be more competitive in the industry. So there's a lot of other ancillary benefits where ESOPs um, can really provide uh, you know a lot of value to to a company. Yeah. All right. Number nine is premium financing of a life insurance policy. This is a very specialized way of funding a life insurance policy that a family uh, may may want to consider if they need life insurance coverage. So many families or business owners are used to financing a lot of their purchases, whether that's a home, buying a business. Uh, buying equipment in the business, financing is comes routine to them, uh, the most of the families that we work with. They could also consider if you have, again, a need for a, a life insurance purchase, but you may want to take the dollars that you have allocated or you need to allocate towards that investment into that contract, and you may want to keep that for other purposes, maybe invest it back into your business or invest into another asset. And you don't want to allocate it towards that life insurance policy where you can actually finance the purchase of your life insurance just like you would finance any other large purchase that you make. And so it's, again, a very specialized design that allows families to retain cash flow mm -hmm. uh, to better able to finance their life, life insurance premiums that they may have. It's not for everyone as well. There's additional complexities that come along with that too. have to design it properly. But for the families that really understand financing, they understand leverage, it's a pretty unique strategy that, that they should consider. Yeah, sounds like it. And then the last one that we have is we call this uh, a generally as guaranteed income during retirement. And really, if you look at the, the demographics that we're living in today, 
you, everyone's living longer and we're seeing more and more families really worry about outliving their, their retirement income. They've, mm-hmm. Whether they've saved a lot or they, maybe they've sa- not saved enough, they're still very much concerned with outliving their income. And there are uh, certain types of investment products that are out there, namely annuity products, that will allow families uh, to, to basically provide a guaranteed income stream, almost like a private pension plan. So it, it, that's another key component, because if you look at where we are in retirement savings today, most of probably the vast majority of retirees are doing what's called defined contribution plans. So they're doing 401ks, IRAs. They're responsible for their, their own retirement savings, if you will. Mm-hmm. Don't have very many companies offering pension plans today. Um, there's some that are still out there, but they're, they've dwindled quite a bit since you know the 60s and 70s. So these annuity products are a way for you to take your retirement savings and then essentially insure your retirement income by utilizing these annuities. So that's a, a very specialized topic that we're going to have a, a whole podcast on with one of our specialists. Yeah, when we get this podcast with the, the knock in these annuities are they're expensive. Uh, so the outside money managers look at these products as you're paying too much for that particular management of your money. Yeah. But if you think about insuring risk, I mean, you insure your house, you insure your car, you insure everything around you. Why would you not want to insure your income? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So there's a cost involved to do that. Like there's a cost involved in insuring your house. So we think it's it's a it's a healthy cause, especially when you look at the RMD issue, required minimum distribution issue. At 70 and a half, everybody has to start taking their 401k or their IRA rollover out. And the way the IRS government looks at doing that, they look at a mortality calculation. So let's assume you have 17 years to live. They'll take a percentage of that IRA over the next 17 years and get it to zero because they want their tax dollars. Yeah. Well, if you had an annuity, your guaranteed income, you can't run out. So you could, your account value could be zero, but you're guaranteed by the insurance company that if you leave the 120, you're going to get a guaranteed income stream age 120. So it's the way the world's shifting a little bit because we are living longer and there's a concern by most people that we speak with that, hey, if I, I mean, I have a, a mother, she's 98. I mean, she's yeah. living off her, you know, social security. I mean, thank God she has us. She'd be, she'd have a problem. So mm-hmm. we're starting to see the numbers increase. And I think if the numbers are right, the fastest growing age group is 85 years old. It's grown to 25%, right. yeah. which is huge. So if you look at that number, why would you not want to insure your income? So these income strategies on a, on a guaranteed basis are very powerful. And that's just one of the design ideas that we come across when we look at portfolios and especially from a retirement standpoint to protect the family wealth. Yeah, absolutely. And that, now these are 10 strategies and tools that you guys and, and, and concepts and ideas that you introduce to your clients that, that need these for estate planning. Any closing thoughts today? Because I know you're going to really dive deep into these in individual podcasts in the future. No, I mean, I think that, uh, again, there's a lot was thrown out there. Sometimes it's uh, sometimes the, the planning tool is more for estate planning. Sometimes it's more for retirement income. Sometimes it's more from a tax planning standpoint. So, again, I, I'd like to reiterate that none of these strategies are are designed to just be on their own in a vacuum. Mm-hmm. We've we have many families that use multiple of these strategies all within within their their plan of of uh, generational wealth. So I just wanted to reiterate that, that this is important to look at all these within a, a holistic plan. Yeah. My com- you know, my last comment is you don't know what you don't know. Yeah. So these are ideas that are out there that people might not be familiar with it because they're not educated. Again, we take 
a lot of pride in educating our clients on different concepts and options they have available to them. So they're enlightened most of the cases when we bring these ideas to their attention. Yeah. Thank you guys so much for your time today. Thanks, All right. Eric. Thanks, Eric. Talk right. to you soon. You bet. And I think this was a great podcast to plant these seeds and, and get you as an audience thinking about these things. Like they said earlier, if there is just one of these concepts or ideas that kind of really sparks some interest in you, reach out to Copper Beach. Uh, can one of you guys give out the phone number or where you want them to contact you at? Sure. Our, our phone number at the office is area code 856-988-8300. And uh, you could ask for Lauren in the office. Fantastic. Lauren will take that call from anywhere in the United States. Again, they work nationwide with clients. They currently have clients all over the place, which allows them to get out of the cold sometimes and go to California sure. or Texas Absolutely. or someplace else. We like uh, those trips. Exactly. Those are great trips. Uh, but uh, more importantly, they just they want to be with their clients and walk them through this process. And like uh, John said, educate you guys and, and really give you the leg up on the rest of your life and really help you plan that that. Uh, the, the final chapter in, in a very, very positive way. So thank you all for listening to the Truth About Wealth podcast with John and Michael Paris. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when John and Michael come out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device, which makes it much easier to share these podcasts with your friends and family, which again, I encourage you to do. Thanks again for listening today. For everyone at Copper Beach Financial Group, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day, and we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Truth About Wealth podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Copper Beach Financial Group. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. This material is for informational purposes only. Neither APFS nor its representatives provide tax, legal, or accounting advice. Please consult your own tax, legal, or accounting professional before making any decisions. Securities offered through American Portfolio Financial Services, Incorporated, a member of FINRA SIPC Investment Advisory and Financial Planning Services offered through American Portfolio Advisors, Incorporated, an SEC-registered investment advisor. Copper Beach is an unaffiliated entity of APFS and APA. Any opinions expressed in this forum are not the opinion or view of American Portfolios Financial Services, Incorporated, APFS, or American Portfolios Advisors, Incorporated, APA, and have not been reviewed by the firm for completeness or accuracy. These opinions are subject to change at any time without notice. Any comments or postings are provided for informational purposes only and do not constitute an offer or a recommendation to buy or sell securities or other financial instruments. Readers should conduct their own review and exercise judgment prior to investing. Investments are not guaranteed, involve risk, and may result in a loss of principal. Past performance does not guarantee future results. Investments are not suitable for all types of investors.